Today, I wanted to ask a question. What's the deal with gates? So what's the deal with that? I read about these in the Bible, gates. Dig into it a little bit. How about we do that, Paul? Dig in? Let's dig in. Paul says yes, so we're going forward on this one. When I think of city gates, I'm reminded of a couple of things. Very visual when it comes to things. I'm reminded of the nine hours of my life I won't get back from watching the Lord of the Rings movies. But there was a scene, give me that scene, and Lord, you know, there's, we think of these gates as this huge battle going on, and we conjure up all these ideas in our head about what it's going to be and what the battle is going to, how it's going to take place. The gates. Today on the way to church, you probably pass this sign, the welcome to mentor sign. There are no gates or walls around the city of Mentor. There was no checkpoint. That's sort of the gateway to the city right there. It's better in Mentor. I guess it's a city of choice. I didn't know that it was, but according to the sign, it is. When most of us think of gates, we think of things like maybe a pool gate. Click, you go in. Click, you go out. Because I'm a child of the 70s, I think of the Fisher-Price Little People Castle, and I think of that gate. It's very imposing, isn't it? And look at the king. He looks like the Pringles man. It's not very intimidating going on. But when it comes to the Bible, the idea of gates, it's mentioned so many times in there. The city gate in Bible times, it wasn't just this passageway. It wasn't just a place of defense. What it was, it was a place that was this massive complex, and it wasn't just one little gate, and you go through, and you're inside the castle. It was almost like this airlock, if you will. It was a space where many things took place. What took place there? It was almost like a marketplace. It was like a court. It was a place where judgments were passed along. It was a place of prophecy. It was a place where there were benches where people would sit and where serious things went down. So I started digging into this this week. The health of a city can be determined by what goes on at the gate. The health of a house can be determined by what goes on at the gate. The health of a Christian can be determined by what goes on at the gate. There was a man, Lot. says in the Bible, early on in Genesis 19.1, that he was sitting at the gates of Sodom. Now, this is strange if you think about this because Lot wasn't one of the locals. Lot came to this city, and as he sat there, a lot of important things took place. But it got into my head thinking this. That gate, it's a space between. It's a space between. And so when Lot went here, even though he didn't say, I've lived here all my life, there was a place for him. Someone needs to understand who's sitting here that you feel like an outsider in every God thing that you go to do. But the truth of the matter is that there is a place at the table, there is a place for you, and that you not only have an invitation, but you have been granted power by the Lord Jesus Christ to represent to go forward with the things that he wants you to go forward with. It says in Matthew 18, 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, in context, you take that, and 
that passage, when you look at it, some of that there, it's talking about how to handle conflict. Saying God has an order in things. That when we walk in God's order, that the next natural thing, the flow is to bind and to loose. You get in church long enough and you hear about prosperity gospel things. Well, I don't want to drive a Bentley. Don't think I deserve a Bentley, really. Wouldn't know what to do with a Bentley if I had one, Al. Wouldn't park it anywhere. Wouldn't want anyone to sit in it. So it wouldn't do me any good. But we get in this place where we hear about this way of thinking, this way of doing, this way of, and we tend to back off from God. You have not because you ask not, he says, in certain things, but are we doing things in the order that God wants us to do them in? Am I asking for things that further the kingdom? Am I asking for things that are according to his heart and his will that he wants me to do? Because that right there, loosing and binding, how often do we lose things that we need to keep inside? The negativity. The criticism. Well, this is going to be a terrible week. Well, you know what? It probably will then. That's something I may or may not say to my kids. People constantly flowed through that city gate each and every day. Agreements were sealed in that gate. This wasn't a time of contracts. This was a time when people would verbally agree on things. And the agreements that were made in the gates would shape the lives of those people that lived within the walls. Here's an example. Abraham, we read about him in Genesis 23. Abraham went and he, in the city gates, negotiated to get this cave to bury Sarah in. And here's what hit me. Abraham met with the people that had something to do with the agreement. It's profound. You know who he didn't invite? Those who had nothing to do with the agreement. As a child of God, it is time to stop saying, save a seat for the enemy in this negotiation. It's time to say, you know what, God, I know what you say about me. I know what my future is going to be, but can we just bring the devil in here? Because I kind of want to hear what he has to say about this. Would it make any sense? Oh, man. The agreement was witnessed. The deal was done. Don't give him a seat. Don't invite him in. I don't want the devil around. I don't want him as part of things. So if you invite him to my party, I'm going to be like, get him out of here. It's time to look to that core statement that we have that we act in ridiculous faith. Do you know what I prayed? With Tiff's cancer? I'll tell you what I didn't pray. I didn't pray, Lord, she's up against a battle. Just help her. Do you know what I did pray? Crying, yelling. God, heal her of cancer. That's what I pray. And I say that because, again, there are things that we come up against, and the devil's going to try to whisper, and you're like, oh, that's almost like prosperity gospel. No, you know what? I'll tell you what. When I pray in this church, I'm not just praying for general blessing. 
If you're going through something, Paul, I'm calling it out right for what it is, and I'm going to say, devil, whatever you're throwing at him, not only am I calling it out, but God's going to turn it for good, and it's going to be then something that he's equipped to go walk right to the gates of hell and pull other people out because of the testimony he's going through. There is a boldness when it comes to being a child of God that we need not forget. Testimony. Testimony. When we pray, we believe and we stand on it. That ridiculous faith that we have. John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. I believe in making hell-shaking declarations. I believe in saying the evidence is going to be right there in front of us because my God will not fail. My God will not abandon me. My God won't leave me out in the cold. I believe in saying, see, enemy, this is how it's going to be. And you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it later. You're not here at this table, but, oh, when you hear about it, it's going to make you mad. That's the God we serve. And because the enemy's playbook is so predictable, he will try to define you. He will try to intimidate you. He will try to tell you of what your place should be or the place that you shouldn't be. There was a space between. Another person in the Bible, that he went to that space between, that city gate. He was named Boaz. This man, Boaz, he went and he said, I want to marry this woman. She's a widow. But he was not allowed because of his place in line or the pecking order, if you will. He could not just go do that. So he needed to go and he needed to negotiate so that he could marry this woman. And there are times when we come to a place where we just got to say nothing's going to stand in the way of God's destiny. Nothing's going to stand in the way of God's destiny. So Boaz, he goes and he gets 10 men and he goes to the gates of the city and he sat down and the exchange went on. And when it ended, do you know what he said? Today, you are witnesses. This has nothing to do with LeBron James. It has everything to do with the fact that I love a good testimony. I love when you can stand. I love when I can witness what God's doing in the lives of other people. I love when it is crystal clear and there is no, because see, when you, what did that PET scan say? No cancer. It didn't say we'll get back to you. It said no cancer. And you know what I say? My God. That's what I say. And. Understand that God decides. You can't worry it to a different place. You can't talk negatively to push it into a different place. You need to understand that God decides, and we are a witness to this, and we need to call it out when we witness what God is doing. The enemy, here's what he's going to do. He's going to say to you, when you, you know you have a need, you know you're a child of God, and you kind of feel like, no. Give me that next picture. He's going to have you thinking this. Take a number. Take a number, Ben. Get in line. Not your turn yet. My God does not go by the tickets at the deli counter at Giant Eagle. When he decides it's your time, it's your time. 
And when it's your time, you step to the front of the line. I don't care if you're second or if you're 22nd. God said it's your time. Because while the enemy has you looking down at number 37, waiting your turn, God's saying, look up. Look up. The gate of the city, it was a place where the prophets would go. When God gives you something to say, do not be shy about the words that he has put in your mouth. The prophet Amos, Amos 5.15, this dude stands up and says this, hate evil and love good and establish justice at the gate. The gates of your home, you ever walk in someone's house and you're just like, man, I feel God in here. I ask you the other way. Have you ever walked in someone's house and you're like, wow, ooh. I want the gate of my home to give the Amazon guy this kind of feel. Ooh. Feel something in there. That's what I want. As a child of God, set the tone. As a child of God, get in that place. And not just people look at me, look at me, no. Get in that place and speak what God tells you to speak. And know this, that not everyone is going to give you an amen or the new thing in church, the come on, or whatever it is. You may not get that when you stand up and speak God's word, but speak them anyway. In Amos 5.10, it says, there are those who hate the one who upholds justice in the court, and they detest the one who tells the truth. If you speak the truth in love, it is not your problem. In love. Get that part. When you stand in the gate, here's a weird thing. You'll notice it's a bottleneck. Our church, we've got this awesome bottleneck right behind the sound room, right? Somebody's standing there talking. We don't even know how to exit church. We're just like, where do we go? Where do we go? When things are in a bottleneck, the beauty of that, it gives you time to almost slow things down and to see it for what it is, to see it through the God filter. And so as things are flowing at that gateway, you can say, I see the God things and I'm calling them out. I see the good and I'm calling it out. I see that not everything is terrible and I'm calling it out right now. God wants you to be that person to do that. And God's asking through everything, my child, what are you going to do in this season? What are you going to do in this season? If we truly believe that Jesus Christ could return tomorrow, what are you doing in this season? The enemy doesn't want you to stop. He wants to distract you. What he wants to do is he wants to push you along with the crowd. Went to a skating party for my kids. I love skating parties. And no, I do. And so I'm there at the door, got my tube socks on, my new skates I bought, I'm ready to roll in. And when the doors opened to this skating party, I didn't get a say in where I went. You just got pushed forward. Before I knew it, I was back by the claw machine, Paul, because I did not, all these kids, it was like Lord of the Flies. They just carry you right in the building. That's how the devil wants you to be spiritually. He wants you just to forget who you are, where you are, and just get pushed ahead and get lost in the crowd. Next thing you know, you're back there under the claw machine, not knowing what happened to you. He wants you just to feel lost, just be a number, just be there. And I say to you, don't conform. Don't conform to what his plan is. Don't conform. Because I am slightly taller than most of those fourth graders. And at some point, I just need to be like, stop. 
You stop. I'll tell your dad. (laughs) God reminds you that you are in that space between to speak his words of authority. So there's this thing in a city called Tel Dan. They discovered something. An archaeological find, they discovered a gate to a city. And the gate to the city, over several years in digging this, here's what they discovered. There was, leading up to the gate, a cobblestone path. Beyond that, there were large door jams, which would represent that first part of the gate. Then there was this large space that would almost be like this courtyard in between that gate, that space between. And after that, they discovered something that was really strange. There was this platform up two steps. And so as they dig for this platform, they find on the corners of this platform four holes. Like, what can it be? They discovered that the four holes were for probably tent poles to put a canopy on. And below that, there was a stone that was found there. Now, a lot of people looking at that archaeological evidence and believing that the Bible, they, they want nothing to do with that, they would say, well, of course. That was about cultic practices of the day. That, that's where they put an idol. The truth was they determined that that very spot where that stone was was the place where the throne would be set for the king. Give me a second because it's good. In other words, what passes through the courtyard has to pass by the majesty. That through the places that feel like a bottleneck, like you're getting elbowed, like you don't know what to do, there is majesty, that it is there. That the king is not absent, the king is not hiding out in some back room, the king is not far away, but the king is right in the very place where you are. And with that majesty, do not let anyone tell you, oh, he's not here. Oh, he is. Whatever place that you are right now, Don't allow the world to define your God. Don't allow the world to define his majesty in any moment. There's a scripture about King David. His son, Absalom, he had rebelled against David. Not just rebelled like I'm not going to clean my room, but rebelled, rebelled. It was bad. We're talking bloodshed, we're talking division, we're talking tears, talking David's sleepless nights. And it's said in the Bible of David that he's slain his ten thousands. So in a time when the armies were going to march, this one, wouldn't you want the one that has slain ten thousands with you? Doesn't it just feel natural that the one who's such a warrior would be in the midst of that? The one that started out by taking out that giant, isn't it? But something happens. It says David stays back and he stood in the gate. Some of you here are so scrappy when it comes to your spiritual warfare. Truth. But there are seasons that God may ask you to stand in the gate. And everything in you says, but I was born to fight. I'm a fighter. God's saying, I'm not redefining you. But in this moment, I need you to stand in the gate. I need you to guard what comes through here. 
I need you to watch out for the things I ask you to watch out for. And so what goes on is the battle raged. David sat back and all he wanted was for his boy to be okay. In the end, his heart was broken. In the end, Absalom ended up dying. And there are times that you're standing where God tells you to stand, and you may feel heartbreak. And you may question, God, did I get this wrong? But then the people started coming back. And as the people started coming back, David, in that heartbreak, had retreated to an inner chamber. But then David came out again and he stood in the gate. And when he did that, it signaled to the people that the king is here. It signaled to the people, you are not alone. I was standing in that gate when you walked away. And he was standing in that gate again. And it signaled to them, it's not a time of mourning, but it's time to go on toward destiny. We may be going with tears in our eyes at times. But it is a time to seek out destiny. For every tear that you've shed, God hasn't abandoned you. For every why that we may not be able to answer on this side of heaven, God hasn't left you alone. And there are people who have seen you standing in the doorway of the gate. Tears running down your cheeks, knees knocking together, and all you can do is stand. They have seen you stand. And your stand has been their survival manual. To close this up, 1 Corinthians reminds me of this. Now I see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I don't have the full picture of everything, but there's going to be a time when I see his face clearly. There's going to be a time when all I feel is the glory of Jesus Christ surrounding me in every moment. And I want that kind of thing to be loosed on earth in this moment. I want it to begin to flow that binding and loosing, two chapters later, that same thing, it's repeated again. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose. But this time, he's talking to Peter. That same Peter who's ready to pull out a sword and take off an ear. That same Peter that he said, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. Some of you are stronger than you know. And the God whisper in this moment is remember who I made you to be. Remember that the battle belongs to me. Remember that I called you just to stand faithful. Remember that I called you just to speak my words. In this moment, I have a choice. You know what it looks like? I can stay outside the walls totally. I can say that's not for me. I'm not going in there. I can go with the flow, go with the crowd, and end up by the claw machine in the back of the house. I'm inside. 
Or I can be the one that sidesteps and says, I'm going to stay in the gate and I'm going to take the seat that Jesus Christ has for me in this moment. Which one are you? There are days that I prefer the view from the outside. There are days that I like to identify with a bigger group of people and not be the one to get my hands dirty. And there are days that I know that God says, stop here and take your seat and open your mouth. In John 12, 32, it says this. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I want to be in that gate because I want people to see him. I want to be the one that celebrates when people celebrate. When people's heart breaks, I never want to get to a place where my, my tears stop flowing. Because when people go through things, I don't want to be removed from that. I want it to be family. Matthew 16, 18, when he said, you are Peter on this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Oh, just like there are gates to the kingdom, there are gates that the imps of Satan are sitting there and they are playing Uno, making their declarations. They're calling it out how it's going to be. It's going to be like this and we're going to bring that and we're going to bring them down this way. But you know what? They have no power. So when it says the gates of hell, everything the devil's barking about, every plan that he has, you're a defeated enemy. You weren't even invited to the talks. You go over there in your little treehouse fort of a gate, and you talk about what you want to talk about. But over here, the adults are going to go forward in Jesus Christ. And the kids, too. I am tired of the devil intimidating. He doesn't win. I mean, how many times I've said, I woke up this morning and said, he doesn't win. And then I said it again. And I got quiet because I didn't want to wake my kids up and the parakeets. But he doesn't win. That thing that's echoed. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's time to step inside and take your place. It's time to find those who have hidden in the back for a while and to say, destiny's calling you. It's time to say, quit blending in. It's time to say, let's go forward. And it's time to take that, you know, when you're in preschool and they're like, well, it's time to take the zipper and go the other way. Be like, I'm going to talk. Not the boss of me, devil. I'm going to challenge you this week. What happens at the gate represents the health of the house. Before it leaves your mouth, does it need to come out of there? Does it glorify Jesus? If the answer is no, push it to the back of the house with the claw machine. <laughs> Let God's things out. If you'll stand. We're going to pray. After we do that, 
our prayer elders are going to come to the front. What is a prayer elder, you may ask? It's someone who's going to agree with you in prayer. It's someone who doesn't pretend to have all the answers. In fact, what they're going to do is not try to answer a whole lot of anything. They're going to reach out to Jesus because he has the answers. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'll be standing right here because that's what it's about. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, I pray that you would remind us of our place at the table. I pray that whatever things the devil has thrown at anyone, whatever reminders on post-its he's tried to stick to them, that you would just remind him that Jesus wins. Remind him that he's defeated, that he has no power, that he doesn't write future, that he doesn't write destiny. And Father, I pray that a bravery would rise up amongst your people. If these are the last days, then let us run like never before. And for the one standing in the gate right now with knees shaking, Father, remind them who you are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.